Hola a todos, Ferney Muñoz de Wireless Land Professionals, unido acá por Joel Crane y por el señor Nick Turner desde Inglaterra. Oh, oh, hang on, we have a problem, we have a major problem here. Uh, oh. I think we accidentally had the podcast set to Spanish. I just changed it oh. over to English so everyone can understand now. <laughs> my apologies, my apologies. <laughs> This is Ferney here, joined by Joel and Nick. Hello, guys. Hey, Ferney, thank you so hey. much for coming on the Hidden Note podcast with us today. We're absolutely thrilled to have you here. Uh, so... We We are very thrilled to have you on, but we we even have a, a sort of an agenda, don't we? What we we have a sort of a, well a little bit of an agenda. Um, I was speaking with Fene earlier this earlier uh, last week, and I sh I was talking about my 3D printer, which has now arrived, and Fene eyes lit up, and he showed a showed an interest in the 3D printer, and I started asking me some questions, and I and I felt that really. Fene should ask these questions to Joel, not uh, me. Oh, okay. Well, well, this I think this is going to be fun because I have a lot of questions about the printer that you got, and I think that you're mm. probably going to give the most honest review because let's face it, I am a total Prusa fanboy at this point. Prusa can do no yeah. wrong in my eyes. Like to be honest, there are a couple things about the mini that I don't like, but I really like Prusa. So, Fene, tell me. Why are you Why are you interested in 3D printing? Let's just start there. Why are you interested in 3D uh, well, printing? Or, and are you? Um, or did I mis misinterpret? No, no, that's, no, a good, I, that's a good question. I actually am, but uh, here's the thing. I've seen, you know, at WLPC, I helped uh, Robert Borman set up for the first, you know, 3D uh, deep dive or boot camp we had once. And I know Mr. Parsons got printers and, you know, Blake's got printers. Everybody's got like 3D printing fever, I guess. And uh, mm -hmm. I know I've noticed some of the complaints that guys had, including Joel, is that you have the printers inside the house or on top of your bedroom or, or and then you can hear the <laughs> thing all the time. It's like, you know what, Nick, I think I have a perfect setup because I have a detached uh, garage away from my house that is completely independent from anything. I said, so like, you know, I could have printers here and not bother anyone. You know, yeah. what does that take? Mm. And then it's like he's printing cases for uh, raspberry pies and the WLAN pies and everybody's printing something. The face masks now that the virus is out there. <laughs> it's like everybody's printing something. And uh, when we were in class once and we had problems with a door, Dan Jones came up the next day with door stops. It's like, what did you get? It's like, oh, I printed him last night. Like everybody's printing things. So I, so I was asking Nick, like, I should have one of those. Let me get this straight. So you guys were at a conference or something like that. There was a there was a 3D printing boot camp or deep dive or something like that at the Wireless Land Pros conference. Is this is that the correct? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a years and, ago. Yeah, and but Dan, I, I never shown interest in it. And so Dan, oh no, this was this was two separate events. Yes. Oh, okay, <laughs> it was two separate events. All right, yeah, yeah, it would have been really magical. But I love that you bring Dan in though, because Dan's been on the podcast already. So I'm going to assume oh. that everybody knows who Dan <laughs> is, just like everybody knows who Jerry is. So that's right. Yeah, <laughs> which we really need to get Jerry on here well, to uh, nah. explain himself. Nah, maybe <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't know. We'll see. But. Uh, so, Fernay, like, do you have like specific things that you want to make? Like, is it just the, uh, is it just the the aspect of like the instant the instant ability to create things? Like, what is it about three D printing that that is the that's the, like the most interesting to you? Okay, um, I saw your presentation in Prague, uh, and it was really cool how you handle you know the creation of the WLAN Pi, the the, the cover for that, uh, and uh, that question was asked by Nick this week. Like, what do you need to print? Like. Uh, nothing, I guess, because I don't have a printer. Maybe if I have a printer, I will see like, oh, with this printer, I could print, 
X. I don't exactly know what X is, but I do know that, you know, I have three little kids and uh, I'm sure they will be happy to see me print, I don't know, little figures for them. So that would oh, probably yeah. be a start. Yeah. That's that's huge. Like, uh, so I 3D printed little snakes for my kids. It's they're like a little chain. They're like chained together, and so it prints in one piece. And then you peel the snake up off the print bed, and it's all attached, and it wobbles around. It's fun. Yeah, they yeah. Love and, them. And, and now that I see uh, all the by all the guys uh, pitching in to print uh, face masks and stuff for uh, health workers throughout, you know, nurses and doctors that uh, are shorthanded in supplies. Then I said, like, you know, I could probably do that but you know that's a, a yeah. good reason a good justification to have a printer just to contribute in these times yeah absolutely so um one thing nick i've told you a little bit about this um on the regular phone instead of on the podcast or have i did mm. i tell you that we're like mass producing uh, face shields here in idaho did i tell you about that only briefly oh. tell me about it and then i can tell you about what i'm doing because i think you're doing something very similar so um uh, so Boise State University uh, here, obviously the university here in Boise, they started to uh, they started to kind of lead an effort to 3D print a bunch a bunch of face shield stuff for uh, for St. Luke's uh, healthcare here, which is a big hospital system. And they kind of I think they kind of met capacity basically, where they are so overwhelmed with that that we started up like a parallel effort to uh, to also provide face shields and. We've only we've only had this thing running for a few days now. We've already had like 400 face shields requested, something like that, and we think that number's only going to grow. Um, so it's funny. I, I haven't actually been running my printers. I've been really more focusing on like the coordinating people and stuff like that. Um, and we're printing the 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 design actually done by Prusa, the Prusa uh, the Prusa face shield, uh, which has been really interesting. Nick, haven't you been printing some parts for the Prusa face shield for efforts in the UK as well? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, not to make not to make you feel bad for Nate, because you know you haven't got a printer yet, so you can't you can't you can't. Uh, <laughs> well, for Nate, didn't have the foresight or the thoughtfulness to be prepared for this. Come on, for um, Come on. My my printer arrived. I got to grips with it for a few days, and then and then on the BBC there was an article about people in the UK banding together with their 3D printers. So I joined the UK. COVID-19 3D printers response Slack group and then started asking questions in, questions in there saying, uh, I'd like to be involved. What can I do? Uh, I have a Prusa Mini. And then someone popped up and was like, you need to go to the small printing beds channel. <laughs> uh, so they actually had a, a Slack channel specifically for little print beds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So because it turns out that with the model, with the Mark III Prusa, design it won't the headband won't fit on the prusa mini bed correct yeah it's it's close it's really close there's there's probably i don't know it's something like uh like two centimeters on each side probably missing a total of four centimeters in all axes and so okay but but i have noticed though even if when i have had a few of the larger prints like things towards the edge of the beds then they tend to lift yeah so i don't yeah so i think it probably Probably wouldn't. Probably it's best that I don't try. Uh, so, yeah. So here, here is my kind of like honest questions. This is not stage or mm. anything. This is just somebody. I don't have a printer. Uh, I've seen by the way, printing. everybody, it's completely staged. We we totally set these up ahead of time. <laughs> Fernay is not actually asking. Which these. one are you going to yeah. ask now, Fernay? Yeah. Question one, or two, six. or three. Thirty-seven. <laughs> okay, so. You were talking about Prusa, and uh, I went to Amazon and made a search on 
Prusa Mini, and mm-hmm. I Nothing. couldn't find any. Nothing. Yeah. Like, why? Okay, so here's the thing with the Prusa Mini. Well, first off, Prusa, they don't distribute through Amazon or any other... They, they don't distribute through anyone else. They, you, when you buy one of their printers, you buy it direct from them. And it comes from their factory in Prague, um, which, uh, which actually had the opportunity to visit, uh, when at WLPC in Prague, it was great. Uh, Keith and I, and a couple of other people, Blake was there. We all went down there. It was great. Um, my wife went along as well. Uh, so, but you can only buy them direct from them. The second problem, and this is going to be a major obstacle uh, for you if you're interested in buying a 3D printer, is is the Prusa Mini is currently back ordered like crazy. Uh, Nick, how many months did it take for you to receive yours? Uh, just a rough I, guess. Yeah, I ordered in October, October 10th, and I think it arrived, what, end of February? Five months. It took you yeah. five months to get your printer. But it, it was a. It was actually quite a good exercise in patience, and it did make the arrival of the item very much more enjoyable. Oh, I mean, I, I really Nick Turner and patience. Hmm. <sighs> I, know, I know. But but like the, but the timing was superb. I mean, I was very. It was like lockdowns coming, lockdowns coming. So, so if I were and to so order my now, then printer. my printing <laughs> efforts would be like for COVID well, twenty. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. <laughs> no, twenty one. Let's perform a little. Let's perform a little bit of triage here. I mean, I think Fene, what we need to do is work out what. Do you what, what's your main purpose of printing? And then we could then we could say like if if you wanted to if you were buying this printer to print uh, face shields, then you could buy a Mark Three, well, a, a Mark Three S, right? Yeah. But but if the goal is to get a fun printer for you to play around with, and really the 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 pressure is not on, then yeah, like whack an order in for the three hundred and fifty dollar, uh, four hundred dollar Prusa Mini and just sit it out i mean if and let's not forget yeah, it depends on let's not forget the third yeah. option nick which is buy something other than a prusa right um right mm, well maybe i i am very much on board now i like there are there are things about the prusa mini that i dislike but i am very happy and comfortable with this it's not fixation but I like what I see from Prusa. I like their videos. I like their company attitude. I like the the products that I've seen so far. Okay, so from the point of view of somebody that doesn't have a printer and is kind of leaning towards that because uh, friends have them, uh, isn't it a disadvantage that you have to get everything from them directly? You cannot. I mean, do you have to buy parts or you have to also buy the filament from them or how does that work? Yeah, so the filament is very universal. Uh, in fact, Prusa does a very good job of supporting, like they'll even offer official profiles in their slicer, uh, which is, I, I know we've covered this on the podcast f- before, so everybody that's heard this before, sorry, you have to deal with it. We're talking to Fernay right now. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but uh, but like a, the, the slicer is a tool that you run on your computer that turns the model into a tool path that the printer runs. And uh, and so one thing that Prusa has done is they've actually built some some profiles in there for uh, for other brands of filament. So like for example, you can get on Amazon and you can buy here in the U.S. We can buy uh, 
uh, filament from Hatchbox. It's really inexpensive. It's pretty good quality. Like, I wouldn't say it's quite as nice as the Prusa Mint filament, but the Prusa prints it, no problem. Absolutely no problem there. The filament is very universal. So, yeah, to to just re-clarify on this one, Renee, so whereas, you know, with regular printers, there's that whole buy-in and then the printer starts whinging and whining if you start using third-party cartridges and then the nozzles get blocked and then you call them up and they're like oh yeah well that's because you're using non-official cartridges uh because you you know you spent uh not the same amount of the not the same amount that it cost you to buy the printer on the cartridges so that's why it, that's why it broke uh there's none of that with 3d printers yet uh it's just a a spool of plastic, plastic. and you can you, so you don't have to buy everything from Prusa. Only it's just that Prusa don't sell their printers through any kind of distribution model. They do, yeah, do you guys, buy the printer for them direct. Do you guys have had any uh, breaks, like you know, bad parts or things you have to replace, or what's the common Ooh. like wear can, and tear parts? Can I tell a story about that? Actually, um, sure. so my my brother in law, uh, his name is Saul. He lives just a couple miles away from me. Actually, he has a Mark III S. And uh, he had a print uh, detach from the bed and glob up around the hot end. And it actually ended up destroying this little shroud that helps blow air onto the print. Uh, that doesn't completely incapacitate his printer. That means the part just doesn't get the, the cooling that it's supposed to. So um, I said, oh, hey, do you need me to just print another one for you? And he's like, yeah. So I jumped on Prusha's website. All of the printed parts are available. I don't know about for the mini. They probably will be yeah, soon. Yeah, it's all there. It's all there? Nice. Yep. So I just grabbed it, actually printed the replacement part for him on the mini for the Mark III S and he came over and picked them up. And it was, you know, since it's all COVID-19, blah, blah, blah. I put them out on the sidewalk and he came and picked them up. And, uh, and then we talked for like, you know, a few minutes from, you know, like 30 feet away to 20 feet away, something like that. But yeah, uh, all the parts, the printable parts are all available. Uh, and a lot of the parts that are on the printer itself. Oh, I have another story to tell actually about replacement parts. Okay, before before you jump in, uh, Finet, just one thing to say. As Go you ahead. look at the Prusa Mini, it's everything that's plastic is three D printed on the Pru uh, on the Prusas. Okay, which is pretty cool. Yeah, is that all you wanted to say? So that's, that's can, it, yeah. so can can I just print one for me from just your print <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah, you would get all the plastic parts, but then you don't have the electronics, you don't have the hot end, uh, you don't have the stepper motors, you don't have the screen, you don't have the aluminum extrusion. But before your story, how hard is it to put it together? I let's say I buy one and get it. I, I notice that it just comes in pieces. There's not much to it. It's like a whole bunch of you know the frame and the head and other things. How hard is it to put it together? Nick, before you give your personal experience on the assembly of the mini, can I talk about the assembly of the Mark III S? Yes, and we should clarify that the two are very different experiences very, yeah and that's why i want to cover both so if you buy a mark 3s kit you're going to get a box full of parts screws aluminum extrusion printed parts motors everything is in its own little baggies the instructions are great but you're going to spend a day I mean, you're, you're talking about a full, probably eight-hour day to assemble your Mark III S. You can also buy it as an assembled one, but it's $250 more to do that. So that's the Mark III S. Now, Nick, tell us about the experience with assembling the, the Mini and how that compares. The Mini was very easy to assemble. It was three parts that clamp together. It's, that's not really a kit. That's uh, just a simple assembly 
It's like, uh, it's just in yeah. three main parts that make it easier to ship. And then you just put those three big parts together. It's like, what, five, six screws, something like that. Yeah, it, it was, I mean, I was, in, I was taking my sweet time about it and uh, mostly doing it with only one arm, but it was not a difficult procedure. So it sounds like the Mark so, 3S is like building one of the potato units that Joe oh, you know, puts totally. together. It's like building. A, it's like a. It's like a very involved Lego set or something but like it, that. But it's a kit, right? Yeah. It, if you buy the kit, it's a kit. Like you're buying it. You're buying the kit because you want to build it yourself. Yeah. And for me personally, like building the kit is half the fun. But the mini, on the other hand, one one thing that is awesome about it is I took it out of the box and in 30 minutes it was printing stuff. That's pretty great. So, so you see how they're they're different. They're just they're just different in how they go together what's involved in putting them together um we are just talking about prusa printers but yeah like joel says like there are plenty of other ones but you know it's like um maybe maybe, maybe apple's uh domination over our tech is not a suit not not a, a comparable uh scenario but just I don't know, it's easy, isn't it? When you when you find a brand that you like, yeah, and then you're like, you know what? I'm just going to stick with Prusa. Like then I don't need to. I don't need to. If someone asks me what printer, uh, what three D printer do you have? I don't have to say, uh, well, I've got this one from this company, this one from this company, and then da 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 da. Well, which one should I buy? And like, well, you know, there's so many options to choose from. Like, well, like, if we keep it just simple, yeah. At this Prusa, point, yeah. I have owned. I think I've owned twelve three D printers. Um, one of them from a from a specific or a, most of those from a specific vendor that unfortunately is out of business right now. Um, the the Prusa is by far the closest thing to a microwave oven. It like where you just like you know put something in it and 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 hit the thirty second button a few times and you get warm food out of it. Right. It used to be that tweaking the three D printer was the hobby, but the Prusa Mark III. I started with a Mark II S actually. The Prusa Mark II S, the Mark III S, and the Mini are the um, well. Instead of now, with the tuning the printer is the hobby. Now printing things is the hobby. I don't have to mess with the printer anymore. Yeah, stuff breaks every now and then. I've had to go do a couple small repairs and things like that. Nothing, nothing serious. Uh, but printing stuff is now the hobby, and I haven't experienced that with any other vendor other than Prusa. They're the only ones I've had that experience with. Uh, and I think. I would like to say that it is it is very different than regular printing. You know, I still I'm still getting failed prints. Well, like, uh, do we say regular printing? Do you mean like like a laser printer, like a bubble? Yeah, like it, but like set and forget. Like yeah. I want here's my document on my on my laptop screen. Now I want the physical version. Go. I walk away, I come back, and assuming the printer hasn't run out of ink and or, you know, just randomly starts smudging the page or like that sort of thing happens far well, maybe it doesn't actually. But I was gonna know, say a, a two a two D printer is very much a print this, go, and then it does it. Yeah. Whereas like the three D printer my like the thing, my my, my Prusa Mini is quite temperamental. Like I've been I've had a run of fantastic prints, no problems. And then today, no. Today I don't want to print. So so basically, it. if I understand right, each print job needs babysitting. You have to be there, bit. kind of watch a it a little bit. Okay. 
uh, especially at the beginning. The most challenging part of a 3D print is getting the first layer to stick. And uh, the textured bed on the Prusa Mini makes that a lot better. Uh, you know, you, you kind of get into a groove and things are really working out great. You know, like I've been 3D printing these little ear savers that that uh, help secure a, uh, a mask to the back of your head so it doesn't stretch around your ears and hurt your ears. We've been printing these things in mass uh, for medical workers. Those I've been print I've been hitting print on those and walking away and coming back in five minutes and going oh yep looks like it's sticking and leaving it and just walking away, uh, but usually though I will start a print and I'll sit there and just kind of keep an eye on it for the first you know especially the first thirty or forty seconds that it's printing if it looks like it's going well then I'll probably just come back in ten or fifteen minutes and just double check like, yeah it did work everything looks fine, uh, and, and yeah after that it just kind of runs as long as it's got enough filament. Yeah, just check on it every now and then. That's what really happens if do. it runs out of filament? Great question. So um, the Prusa Mini has, uh, t- there's there's basically an optional $20 part you can add, which is a filament sensor. It's just a very binary on-off. If the printer runs out of filament, it detects that and says, oh, I ran out of filament, and it parks the print head and waits for you to come and load in more filament. If you don't get that little add-on, it'll just keep, printing with no filament in it it'll just keep going through the motions and not and won't be extruding anything until the print job is, is done this is something that i didn't know for now. so it's a good question but like the 3d printer is not aware of what's going on right so if if the if the filament runs out and you haven't got a sensor to tell it that then it just carries on through the motions going to all of the coordinates that it would have assuming there was still filament available and you waste you know and it wastes time uh can you can you like continue printing where you left off or are you just basically out of luck oh like if it runs if If it runs and you know if you don't have the sensor it runs out of uh filament it keeps going and then you just have like half a, a piece printed Exactly. That's exactly what will happen. Which is okay. why the was it twenty dollars, Nick, for the filament sensor? So, and I I have to jump in and say this. Yeah, it was twenty twenty pounds, twenty dollars, whatever, to add the filament sensor. But I have to share with you that yesterday I made the decision that I'm gonna not. I'm gonna optionally use the three D the filament sensor because I've been I've been messing around with the filament sensor on these reels that have got, you know, they're like, they're, they're 95, 80. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're nearly full. Like there's no chop. There's absolutely zero possibility of me reaching the end of the spool anytime soon. And I, there was something about the filament sensor, like sort of being a little bit bulky, like, you know, like kind of in the way. Anyway, so I've, sw- I've switched it off for the moment and I'll bring it back. Can so you, I don't regret. can you pause a job? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you can. What it'll do when you pause a print job is it'll keep the bed hot. The bed needs to stay hot so that the part stays adhered, and it will park the nozzle and cool the nozzle down. Then when you come back and you resume it, I've, I've paused prints all night before. I don't like to do that. It just feels weird to have this thing staying hot all night in my office. Uh, but it'll come back. It'll heat up the nozzle. It'll continue extruding. You might get a little tiny blemish in that part. Because when it starts extruding again, it kind of has to build up the pressure in the nozzle and all that. But you can totally pause prints. Okay. Here's another question. If I decide to buy, I don't know, 
another brand because the Prusa that I can afford is not available. Can I get like files or templates from you guys that you've done for your Prusa slicer, your Prusa, whatever, and then print them? Or how does that work? Unfortunately, well, okay, so first off, I think the first thing to make note of, and I think you already know this, is that the 3D models are all completely, uh, they, they all completely work together. They're all, it's all either a, an STL or a 3MF, and you can print any any model on any printer. The, the only thing you have to watch out for is like basically build volume, right? Um, as far as, you know, templates and things like that, no, there's really nothing from a Prusa that would be useful on, say, a Creality Ender or something like that, Creality Ender 3. Um, but what you can do, actually, is one thing that Prusa has done, which I think is awesome, is that their slicer actually supports third-party printers now. So, for example, you can buy a Creality Ender 3 or Ender 3 Pro or whatever they are. And in Prusa, if they haven't added it already, I think that printer's brand new. I don't really know. I don't really pay attention. But uh, Prusa actually supports other vendors' printers in their slicer. So in a way, yes, you kind of can. But for the most part, no. I hope that makes sense. I don't know if that made sense at all. Yeah. And I think I'm going to jump in again just one more time. The slicer is taking... Uh, the model, the 3D object that you have a file for, either you've made it yourself or you have downloaded it from a website. It's a model. You can look at it in 3D on your laptop and you 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 feed that model into the slicer. The, the slicer asks you a couple of questions like, well, how do you want me to print this? Like, which face do you want me to start with? And then the slicer turns that model into XY coordinates for the printer to follow. So the slicer is the intelligent part, and then the printer is the dumb bit, it, which it is, just follows. It's amazing how stupid the printers actually are, isn't it? Like they just follow coordinates. That's all they do. Oh. So you asked about can you could you rescue a print? Hang on, hang on, I've got I, I wanna So you asked about could you could you re-resume a print? Uh-huh. And the answer is probably no. Like it, it, it's not easy, but you can because the the file that the slicer produces is G code, and this is, I mean, I, I think I was like what nine megabytes of text. It's huge because it's it's X Y Z extrusion level. So X coordinate, Y coordinate, uh, Z coordinate extrusion rate. So it's just lines and lines and lines which is what the printer then follows. So I, of course, had to... One of my prints failed halfway through, and I had to now just try and, you know, break this code to, like, work out, can I resume this sprint? I mean, I should be able to do it. I should be able to tell the printer what to do. So then then I'm opening up the G-code in a text editor, finding the layer height that I was at. Right, so we'll delete all of the text before this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something and, Nick would do, but that sounds like a lot of work. It does sound like a lot of work. I've been 3D printing since 2011, and I've I only tried it like once, and I was like, <laughs> "Screw this! I'm never doing that again." <laughs> so, did Nick though? Did it work? Did it work? So, it didn't, but it would have if I had been one layer up. Uh, what happened was, I think I I think it must have been halfway through the layer, so it then restarted printing that layer which meant that the nozzle was at the height of Mm, the print above and so yeah and so it just it kind of like 
stuck to it and then ripped that model off the print bed <laughs> and then like started like moving into the next one and mashing up. So like, okay, all right, stop, stop, stop. Cool experience. I'm sorry. That's a cool experiment though. It sounds like it almost worked. Yeah. And, and also just finally on this one, regarding the face shields, I also saw quite a lot of videos where people had added custom G code so that at once the print had finished, then the Y axis would move forward then the head would come down, then the printer would dislodge the print from the print bed, then push it off so that you know you could have these printers just continually cycling, cycling without anybody being there. This wasn't with Prusa ones because I think the adhesion to the bed is too good. Possibly better. Yeah, too good. But anyway, so I was like, how are these people writing custom G-code to make the... Because you could just yeah. make the printer go up, down, left, right, up. Down, left, right, if you want to. You can make it play music you, if you want. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, I had to play around with that, but I'm sad to report that it didn't rescue my 10 bottom bracket, bottom reinforcement prints, oh. so that I had to scrap the lot. You tried. It's very, very <laughs> bad. Tried. So, what do you recommend then? Should I uh, just place an order for a push and wait for it patiently? Because I don't have anything to print right now. Now, if, since I don't have like an immediate need, do I really need it? You know, Fernay, I mean, I'm probably the worst person to ask this because I feel like I just don't have a balanced opinion on this. But like I said, I've used uh, quite a few different 3D printers over the years. And the, the, the Prusa Mark 3S and the Prusa Mini, respectively, are the first printers I've used where 3D printing is the hobby instead of messing with the printer is the hobby. And I think that is really important. Additionally... Uh, you know, Prusa as a company, they're about 500 people now, which is crazy. I remember when Prusa was like, he and his brother, it was like two guys just making stuff. Uh, they, they have put so much work into this face shield thing to help fight COVID-19. They have converted a huge part of their factory and how much energy they're putting into this into making these face shields that they're essentially giving away. Man, that is the kind of company that I want to give my business to. I mean, I just, I really believe in them as a company. And so my personal opinion on this one, and I'm going to let Nick speak as well on this. I think getting Nick's feedback would be great, but I would place the order and wait for the Prusa Mini. Okay. That's what I think. Thank you very much. Nick. How how much of a tinkerer would you describe yourself as? On a scale of one through 10, probably a six, seven. Depending okay. on, okay. I guess, yeah, it depends on, on what it's about. Because, yeah, I can break things apart and put them back together. Yeah, that, well, that's true. That's very true. I, I mean, I was scared that the printer would be one of those items that I buy, I really, really enjoy using, and then after a month or so, Store I sort it. of lose, yeah, sort of lose interest in it. Um, and I... Because I think it was about three years ago that I toyed with the idea of buying a Mark III S, mostly because the push button in my suitcase broke. And you can't buy that piece. So I want to now... I could model it. Great. I now have a genuine need for a 3D printed part. Should I spend a £1,000 on this printer to fix my suitcase that is worth £200? <laughs> no. No, I shouldn't. And I agonized about buying the Mark III 
I think and then I was like, well, maybe I should get multiple multiple colors. I mean, that seems to make sense. I mean, of course, I need to buy this extension and buy like you know thirteen hundred pounds on this three D printer so that I can pr- fix my suitcase. So I didn't do it at the time. I am really, really enjoying having this three D printer, and I think that there is genuine utility in the parts that I'm printing. I. But I, but I could see how it would become. I could see how it it could become just this thing, you know. Right. Especially as it's not a set and forget. Oh look, here's my model. Now I'm done. It is very much a set the print going. Will it work? So, okay, so, it's looking good. So you are uh, now. Yes, there is a, a, like a social need for you know, having a printer to contribute. Uh, in a sense, you know, all, all the guys are participating in this, but. Besides, like, aside of this uh, situation we're in now, why, uh, what else do you use your uh, 3D printers for? Let's start with you, Nick. Okay. I have been using my printer to... I had, uh, like, Raspberry, Raspberry Pi projects. Okay. I often have very, very particular requirements for a Raspberry Pi case, and whilst there are ones available, I am very much enjoying the ability to just print my own. Customize your my, own. Yeah. My my mother sent me a task of she ha she has a electric toothbrush and you know the, the oral B or broad yeah, whatever yeah. like toothbrush heads. Yeah. Well uh, my 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 mum wanted a uh, a little holder, you know, like a travel case yeah, yeah. for one of those. And she had uh she had bought them on Amazon before, but they proved themselves not to be good. Like they, they didn't last, that they became useless and then fell off. So so the ability to then, all right, cool, I can spend a little, I can spend a few hours just creating something that I think would meet that requirement. And that's been a lot of fun. Okay, how uh, about you, Joel? For me, I love the ability to create custom plastic parts. Like for example, under my desk are, are normally where a whole bunch of cables are. So I have created little plastic clips that go under my desk that hold the cables up. Um, Above my desk, I have some spots where I can mount lights and things like that for when I'm doing recording in my office. I have 3D printed custom pieces that go onto a piece of wood up there that I can slide around and attach the lights to. Um, Of course, you know about me like mass producing the WLAM Pi cases. Here's here's probably the best best, uh, story uh, around 3D printing that I have yet. A few weeks ago, our toilet broke. You know the arm for the float in the toilet that yep. like the float comes up and it turns off the toilet so it stops filling the tank, right? That broke. Okay, what do I do? Well, I can't leave the house because we're in lockdown right now for COVID-19. So I just 3D printed, I designed and 3D printed a replacement part. Could okay, not so have done that otherwise. Question now, you both answer. Thank you very much. Um, you You need a part for whatever. Your toilet breaks or whatever you need. Can you download uh, like files to print it or how hard is it for you to start from scratch and like custom build that part and how do you get the measurements in yeah. you know, the real space and how do you transfer that into the uh, software? Great question. So there are two main websites out there that are like repositories for, for parts. Uh, so Prusa Printers, uh, is it prusaprinters.org? I think is the one that Prusa runs now. Yeah, prusaprinters.org. And then uh, kind of the longstanding one has been Thingiverse. And so they're kind of the two competing platforms out there. 
the first thing I always do when I need a part is I go look and see if someone has designed something already. And if they have, if I like the part, uh, which to be honest is pretty rare, but if I like it, I'll download it and use it. Like, for example, I have a little stand on my desk for my my phone, and that just came off of Thingiverse. It's great. I love the design. It's fantastic. Uh, but for my toilet thing, nobody had designed that specific part. Uh, so uh, that's when you get a pair of digital calipers. Um, for Nate, you probably remember in Prague, I was holding up my pair of digital calipers, and you took a photo of them. But digital calipers, they're like six bucks, 10 bucks, really cheap. And you can use those to get those measurements, and then you take them to a 3D modeling tool. Um, a great one to start out with is Tinkercad. Nick, have you used Tinkercad? Yes, what? Tinkercad is what I built my uh, suitcase push button in. And that was a, com- I would say, relatively complex shape. How easy yeah. was it for you to get into Tinkercad and start using it? Quite easy. I, w- I-, I took to it quite well. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I think on that on the note about like model existing models versus similar to yourself, Joel. I haven't. I don't think I've downloaded any models other than the uh, bottom bracket. But so far, I'm really I'm probably making work for myself. But I am enjoying my design. Same. I here. might browse. Okay, I might browse models by other people just to get some ideas. But for example, I wanted to put a camera on the Prusa Mini. And I looked around and I found one or two models of people and they gave me inspiration. But I feel like my design was not more elegant than the the provided ones. It depends on how picky you are, Fernay. Like, in general, how picky are you? You know? I'm not Nick Turner picky. I'm, you know... (laughs) (laughs) Is anyone anyone as picky and pretentious as Nick Turner? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, probably not. No, I'm I'm more practical. Like, you know, it doesn't have to look perfect. I mean, I'm kind of like OCD in many ways, uh-huh. but uh, as long as it works, like I was just, I've been working on putting electricity and, and data into a, a coop, like a duck house that I, I, I build on the back. Okay. And uh, just running power and, and all the stuff. And yeah, I kind of worry that you know, it has to look straight. And it's not straight, but I have to get over it because it bothers me. Things are not like perfect, aligned oh, and, and center. I, <laughs> I need to understand something. So is this like a, a chicken coop except for ducks? Is that what's going yeah. on here? Yeah, that's exactly what's going on. My Wait, daughter you- uh, just uh, adopted some ducks out of a... Uh, a, a, a rain drain near IHOP last year and we brought him home and raised him so I built a coop for him and some flew away we adopted more now they had babies and we had like 11 ducks in the back so I put so, a, cu- <laughs> a couple of cameras and electricity and stuff so, well, so you've got you've you've already got some cameras down there yes are you using Raspberry Pis for that or I am not. That's why I was asking you, like, hmm, maybe I should use Raspberry Pis for this with those cameras. I, I do have you know, a, a live view a hardware camera and a wireless camera, but you know, kind of like to be able to look at the ducks, make sure the the cats are not coming in and hunting them at night. So So are the ducks more of pets or are they for food? Or are they for eggs or it sounds uh, like pets? They're more like a pain in the ass because they they <laughs> eat a lot, they poop a lot, but uh, they lay eggs. Just the, the eggs taste different. I I had them. I, we eat them sometimes, yeah. and we do pancakes and stuff with them. But uh, it's more like pets. My kids, yeah. you know, kind of now we've been uh, in the house, kind of help them keep busy. 
yeah. chase him around. We, uh, as Nick knows, since he visited here in Boise, I live, my house backs up to a canal, uh, because, you know, for now you guys have canals where you live, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, some of my friends back East are like, canal, what are you talking about? It's like, well, this is the high desert. So we have to, you know, get water from the river and distribute it all around for anywhere we want to farm and have people and stuff. So we have a canal behind us and we have ducks out there and I, I really enjoy watching the ducks. So I totally understand having ducks for pets. I, yeah. I would probably have ducks for pets if I didn't have wild ones around already. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of fun. But then the, uh, and it all came from how, a perf- how much of a perfectionist I am. And, you know, I'm, it depends. But, yeah. you know. So, so what it other- sounds like you do have a, it, does, it sounds like you do have a genuine use case for, I want to put a Raspberry Pi yeah. in, I want to put a Raspberry Pi plus a Raspberry Pi camera in a custom built housing. Yeah. Then it sounds like you should put that order in for the Prusa Mini. Yeah, I'm kind of like leaning towards that and I'm always doing stuff in the house, so... I uh, I love the ability to create custom parts. Uh, like the other day, like my 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 kids have an old iPod dock that I like the thirty pin. You guys remember the thirty pin uh, connector? Uh, and my kids uh, they have that my my wife's old iPod dock in their room, and they listen to music on it. Well, the power cable, you know, when you like start to move the power cable and it starts to get like intermittent and stuff. Yeah, that's where it's at right now. So I just jumped in Fusion three hundred and sixty, and I had my calipers, and it took about ten minutes to design a little like strain relief thing for that to just keep the cable from moving around that just kind of clips onto the cable problem solved you know 10 minutes uh, 10 minutes of of uh, of modeling maybe 15 minutes uh, if i'm being really honest 5 minutes to make sure the print is sticking and it just sat there and printed while we watched a movie or something like that so what's uh what's fusion 360 that sounds like parallels uh, fusion yeah. no i didn't mean yes. to i didn't mean to to leapfrog like that so tinkercad think of tinkercad as like the yeah. think of it like microsoft paint it's very simple. It, you can pick it up and begin using it instantly. There's no steep learning curve. It's a little limited for capabilities, though. Okay. Fusion 360 is like the next step up. Uh, a, 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 Made by the same company. Same company. Okay. Yep. Uh, a, a mechanical engineer could totally use it, um, but they might graduate to something more technical later on. But for okay. me and okay. Nick, so, Fusion 360 is perfect. So Tinkercad and Fusion 360 are programs that allow yeah. you to create designs. Yep. How yes. much are they? Uh, free. Free. Both. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So okay. Now earlier, and I know you've talked about this in other uh, podcasts, but you talk about a slicer. Is that like a, a piece of hardware or what is it that? Is, it is a it is a piece of software um, that is typically free with a printer. There are uh, there is one paid one out there. I don't see the point in getting that uh, because Prusa Slicer is free, open source. It's available on their website. You could go start playing with it right now if you wanted to. You could download it. You could watch a couple videos on how to use it. You could start slicing up models and seeing how it how it does its processing. No printer required. But ultimately, its job is to take the 3D model and turn the model into G-code instructions for the printer. Okay, so a G-code is basically coordinates, as Nick was yep. saying earlier. It's a gigantic yep. text file. Yeah. Okay, well, gentlemen... You have answered a lot of questions that I had today. I really appreciate it because I'm sure, you know, a lot of people out there are kind of like the same boat, like, ah, you know, could f- have use for it, but do I? Yeah. Looks like I, I do. It's, I think you it's will. It's really interesting how I, I, I'm finding it fascinating how quickly, like Joel showed me a lot of the steps involved in just 
uh, whipping together a quick model, slicing it, printing it. Wow, now I'm holding this thing that I was looking at on the computer an hour ago. And that was that was my aha moment, was seeing... Because actually the process, it it is far more simple than it looks from the outside. Yeah, that's. I, I think, honestly, I haven't gotten one before because it just seemed like, you know, rocket science to me. Like, whoa, that looks like hardcore. They've gotten a lot easier yeah. to use. That's for okay. sure. Yeah. And I mean, like, the great thing about the Prusa Mini is there's no tuning. Like, they did it for you already. You just plug it in, watch a couple of YouTube videos, and follow the instructions. And they have great videos. They're always publishing videos about how to do stuff with their printers. and It's pretty cool. I... I think you'd enjoy it. I think you'd really like it. You, If you buy one, you will be the fourth person that I have convinced to buy a Prusa Mini now. I so. am the fourth person you guys have convinced. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm placing order in. But also, though, at $350, $400, like, this is now not a an enormous in chunk. Like, yeah. It's still not insignificant, but, yeah. it, you know, like a thousand pounds on a 3D printer, which, you know, that's a lot That's of a printing it's got to do before it becomes... So, so, so what's yeah. the difference? What can I do with the $1,000 one that I cannot do with the $350 one? Really good question. Okay, so the the $1,000 one... Well, it's, it's $750 for the kit. So let's say a $750 version. Uh, it has a bigger... That, you're being a bit soft and, you know... Like, let's... I mean, I spec'd mine up and it was about £1,300. Because I was looking at multi multi material oh, yeah. extension. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but but for but for the the base model Mark III S, which I would venture okay. that is what ninety percent of Mark III S owners have. They don't have the multi material stuff. Blah no. blah blah. Okay. They just have a Mark III S. Uh, it's seven hundred fifty dollars. The build volume is bigger. That's for sure. It's got a bigger build volume. Uh, there's no way around the, around that. Uh, the second thing that the Mark III S has is it has a direct drive extruder. Basically, the there's a motor with a set of gears that pushes filament through the nozzle, right? And that those gears are right next to the nozzle. And so what you get is you get, it has very, very precise control over when it stops and starts the flow of plastic. Whereas on the Prusa Mini, you can see the pictures on their website, uh, but the Prusa Mini it uses what's called a Bowden system where the extruder motor and the little gears that push on the filament are off on the side and then it goes through a flexible tube to the nozzle. And so they're separated from each other by, I want to say, eight, nine inches, something like that. The result is that you get a little bit of slop in when the printer stops and starts the flow of plastics. That's not quite as, uh, it's not quite as precise. Um, now, the advantage of this is that that makes the print head very, very light. There's no big stepper motor on it or anything like that. And so the printer can just flick the the uh, the print nozzle back and forth. That makes it very, very quiet. So is one better than the other? Uh, I don't know. It just kind of depends. There's a little bit of a trade-off for quality and noise. Yeah, haven't we Haven't we experienced that? Like, I mean, you can, you can throw your Mark III S at printing WLAN Pi cases at over 100% over 100 speed? Yeah, I print them at 130% and, speed, yeah. And and your results are... Fine. Pristine. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, maybe with more tweaking, the, the Mini could do this, but I tried printing a few cases at over 100% speed and they came out not 
to the quality that I would like to see in a product. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, there are a couple of small trade-offs with the Mini, but you know what? After using it for a while, after running it, for friends that are looking to get into the, the hobby for the first time, they want something low-cost, that it just doesn't bother me at all. And Nick, what do you think? You've seen the prints off of my Mark III S. You've got prints off of the Mini now. What do you think of the comparison in print quality? I think when when the when the speed of the print is correct and you're not rushing it then I would say the mini can do as as good so as the, the other one is more expensive cuz it's bigger cuz it can do more cuz it, it can do multi how about colors uh you were talking about multiple what multiple materials is that oh, like multiple yeah. reels so the 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 Mark 3S there's an add-on you can get for it called the MMU or the multi-material unit. Basically you can plug like what is it five colors, six different filaments into it. Yeah, I'm not sure. I And and it will it, you definitely don't need it. Yeah, yeah. It it, <laughs> it it looks so cool. I'd love to have one, but I wouldn't want if I was going to have one, I'd want like a dedicated printer for the multi-material stuff because it adds just a little layer of complexity that I don't really know if I want. So what it can do is on a per layer basis, it can print multiple colors. Like it could put red over here, blue over here, green over here, all in the same layer. What we can do with both the Mini and the Mark III S without the MMU is you can change layers uh, or you can change colors based on layers. And so let's say that halfway through the print, you want to change it from blue to red. You can actually plug a color change in and the printer will print up to that point it will pause, it will move the print nozzle over to the side, eject the blue filament and say, load in the new filament and you load in whatever color you want and then it keeps printing with a new color. So you can get very creative doing that. Like for example, the snakes that I printed for my daughters, um, they picked like three different colors. And so the bottom of the snake is blue, the middle of the snake is gray, the top of the snake is green, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, so okay. there is some flexibility there. Okay, fair enough. I was I was just about to jump in and say, yeah, but what's the utility of that? Like, how Toys. often do you want something that's got this color, then this color, then this color? But you've answered that. Toys. Fair enough. Toys, um, Nick. Uh, Nick, may hey. I remind you that before we got on this this call, when we were just like setting things up and waiting for Fernet to jump on, you literally showed me a print where you printed two pieces in different colors and glued them together. You oh, literally showed yeah, me yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but but I was what I would what I would say though is I think the think how much plastic would get wasted if i printed that same piece with a multi material unit That's like true. the 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 so and where i was going to jump in and say was i do use different colors to contrast some of my prints that are not uh like they're not functional prints they are being printed in different colors because i like the look of them when they're printed in two colors but i'm very much printing part a and then part B, and then snapping them snapping together. together. So how, how about the, uh, the, will the multi-material unit? Do you just put like four reels and it just switches back and forth? No, but that you, don't yeah. you, you, don't, you don't need it. Like, you don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need the big printer either. Maybe I don't need the mini, but I am getting a mini. Uh, but, yeah, and that's it. And Fernay, that's exactly what it does. Go look up on YouTube. We'll, we'll put a link in the show notes okay. to uh, a video that explains how the multi-material unit works. Uh, and again, it looks super cool. I mean, it, I would probably like, I, I would own one. I think, yeah, I think I would own one. Um, but uh, but I would want to put it on its own dedicated printer and I wouldn't want that to be my primary printer. So what about what about uh, noise and size? So possibly less of a concern if you've got the space for this, but a big part of the decision that 
when I decided not to get the the Mark III S was just the physical space it was going to take up. I mean, yeah, the the Mini very comfortably sits on a desk, yeah, and doesn't dominate the desk. Yeah, my Mini is my desk printer. It sits next to my computer. It's within reach, and so I can reach my computer and my Mini. I'm touching the Mini right now as I sit in front of my microphone here. Whereas my Mark III S's, I have two, and then actually, uh, for now, I'm borrowing one from Keith. One of them's not even mine; it's Keith's. But uh, so, but my, my those are kind of my print farm. They're over on the other side here. Um, it's really nice to have something that sits on my desk, like you said, Nick. It doesn't dominate my desk, and the Mini is significantly quieter. And I think that's just because it's smaller. The motors aren't working as hard, so they just don't make as much noise. So it's a little bit quieter. Yeah. Not like crazy different, not like wildly different, but if we're going to watch a movie here in my office, our only TV in the house is here in my office, I'm going to use the mini to do a print while we watch the movie. I'm, I'm going to try to not use the Mark III S if I can. Since since I've got the mini, it's been printing not nonstop, but there have been, I don't think any days where something hasn't printed off. Now I'm, and I can hear it in the house, even when the door is closed to the room that the printer is sat in. But now I'm suffering from a weird thing where when the printer's not running, I sort of phantom hear it. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I'm like, is that a phone going off or is that the printer? Uh, <laughs> hey, Fernay, I have a question for you. you yeah. you're, your office is detached from the house, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. How How warm does it stay out there? Um, I have a, a heater. Okay. And uh, so I can keep it as warm as I want. And uh, in the summer, it's going to be warm uh-huh. and I can keep it cool. So it's okay. not, it doesn't have central air, but I do have both a heater both. And, and a cooler. Yes. So you can maintain a normal room temperature in there. No yeah. problem. Okay, I, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, one yeah. thing that I do like to do is, you know, as you print plastic, it, it contracts as it cools, right? And what that can cause is that the corners of the part can kind of start to warp up. And if you're printing in a really cold environment, you know, maybe we're talking, uh, I'm going to work in in Fahrenheit here for a second, but if we're talking like below 50 degrees, below 55 degrees, you're probably going to really struggle. But if you can keep it 65 degrees, 67 degrees Fahrenheit in there, you're in good shape. So Nick, I want to say it's like 19.5 Celsius, something like that. Sure. But but even during a print though, fluctuations can, they do make a difference, don't they? Like- I um, if your if your room starts off warm and then it kind of gets cooler during the print, then the plastic starts to behave slightly, slightly and you might get a different finish. Yep. Uh, have you experienced that? I th- n- not directly, but I have definitely seen the impact of the different temperatures on the quality of the print. So, uh yeah, that's um, but but that's not due to the 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 room temperature changing that's gotcha. me that's me messing around with the nozzle temperature nice D- creating models yourself though the the stuff in fusion i that's really uh, i'm really enjoying playing around with that but i will say that i can it become uh, fusion 360 is becoming a black hole for time Uh-oh. with me i can sit down and oh, i'll just you know 20 minutes i'll i'll throw this model together oh it's now 1 a.m i've done that uh how did how did this happen? I've done and that. What I'm looking at now is an is an incredibly over engineered egg box. Yeah. Like it'll be it'll be like it'll be so beautiful and intricately designed, but it's still no no additional functionality. Can uh, you can people make money 
out of like creating designs, like selling them or? Yeah, you probably, I mean, well, yeah, you, you definitely can. I mean, like, for example, my, my brother's a mechanical engineer and he uses Fusion 360 and he uses some, some tools that are much better than Fusion 360 or much more technical than Fusion 360. And yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's held several engineering jobs over the years and, and now he has his own business and it's all based around the models that he creates. Although he's using those models to create products, he's not selling those models to someone else. But at our level, at, you know, the Joel Crane and the Nick Turner level, like, I mean, I don't know, Nick, for me, um, well, I guess I've been selling these WLAM pie cases. That's a model that I made. Huh. Although that's just paying for print. That That's basically kind of just paying for printers and filament, right? It's not like I have a day job, you know, this isn't, this, yeah, yeah. this money doesn't like, you know, it doesn't feed my family or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. You can put your models up on Thingiverse and people can tip you. In fact, somebody tried to tip me for one of my models the other day, but I didn't have PayPal set up. And so it just didn't work. Thingiverse emailed me and said, hey, someone tried to tip you, but it, it didn't work. <laughs> okay. So we, we, we took that money for you and we're holding it in. Uh, <laughs> I think what I think what Thingiverse did is it said this this person does not accept tips. And then that's it. It didn't like. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Thingiverse. I missed out on a dollar. <laughs> so for today, has that. I mean, you, so we, we've, uh, not that the mission was to convince you, but the mission was to answer any of your, yes, yes. your questions. Yes, and, and, and you did. <laughs> and uh, thank you very much. Uh, I really appreciate the time and effort. I know you've talked about things like this in the past. Maybe if I had paid attention, I would have, you know, answered <laughs> yeah, you, my own questions. If you listened to the previous episodes. You <laughs> hey, you know what? The whole point of this podcast, people think seem to think that the, the point of this podcast is to entertain people. It's actually just so that Nick and I can talk, right? <laughs> no, we're, we're kidding. It, it, we actually, we really enjoy having everyone else in on the conversation. And Fernay, thank you so much for coming on and giving us another excuse to talk on the phone. Like, this is great. I love it. <laughs> thank you very much. I uh, I don't know. Great. What do you think, Nick? Do we have him back on the podcast at some point, or is this it? Is he just get like fifteen um, minutes of fame? No, or? I think I think because I think Fene has got other things to talk about. I agree. Than, <laughs> I, I I think I think we could definitely bring Fene back on. But I, the thing with three D printing though is it seems to be such a like a common uh, such a recurring theme. And like I'm thinking, yeah, we could get Fene back on the podcast to talk about something other than three D printing, but. Maybe he'll have got his mini by then. Ooh, so maybe he will. He could tell us about the mini. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I, I do. I do feel like we wasted having Fernay on this episode a little bit. Like all we did was talk, just try to sell him Prusa minis instead of actually extracting all the no, in- and, interesting. And, and, things and I don't out of feel him. like you were trying to convince me. I really appreciate because I felt that uh, you were answering my naive questions. Because sometimes you know. We don't know any, and, and maybe I could uh, go and look for stuff on YouTube and ah. online, but it's not the same as having a couple of buddies, you know, answer the questions honestly, because you've been fighting with it. You've been printing since 2011. You you were talking about calibrating and stuff. I think that's what scared me when I heard these guys at WLPC years ago talking about calibrating this printer. Like, it's not like a lot of work. So now well, I, I'm, I'm sold. I'm, I'm going to get me one. Well, thank you for bringing your questions to us, Fernay. I really appreciate it. I'm really glad that, uh, you know, people kind of tend to get stuck in the let me Google that for you thing. And it's like, no, if we always said let me Google that for you, then we would never get to talk to each other. So, Fernay, <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. <laughs> appreciate it. And uh, you can have me back anytime. Uh, it's a, a pleasure talking to you guys. All right. We'll do it. Talk to you soon, Thank Fernay. you so much, man. Take care. Bye, Nick. Take talk care. to you soon. Cheers, guys. See Bye. Ya. Bye.